you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Bottoms. Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? Guess that's you guys. Tonight is our night. We're getting the cooch. I'm gonna talk to Brittany. You can say hi to Isabel. What would I say? Hey, girl, how's your boyfriend? How's his penis? Mirror, mirror on the wall. I'm gonna expel you both for committing a crime against Jeff. Get out of the car. You can't tell me what to do. Get out of the freaking car. We were just practicing for a self-defense club. So it's like a fight club? Yes. Just stay in your lane until you're munching Beaver Wesleyan. Yes, sir. What's your plan here? Jeff is psychotic, and they're picking on the weak and defenseless. So we teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves. They are grateful to us. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouth. You can be our club advisor. You know, my mom did say I need to pick up a hobby. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Bottoms, and the story is as follows. Two unpopular girls in their senior year start a fight club to try to impress and hook up with cheerleaders. The film is starring Rachel Sennett, Ayo Edibiri, Ruby Cruz, Havana Rose Liu, Kaya Gerber, Nicholas Galitzin, Miles Fowler, Marshawn Lynch, Dagmara Domnizik, and Punky Johnson. It is written and directed by Emma Seligman, co-written by Rachel Sennett. And here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Nadia Dalamonte. Hello, everyone. Lauren Cohen. Hi, everyone. Will Mavity. Hello, hello, hello. And Dan Baer. Welcome to our fucking fight club. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I ain't going to sanction that shit. Um... <laughs> No, I am so excited to talk about this movie, mostly because this movie has been so incredibly hyped up for me ever since it premiered at the South by Southwest uh, Film Festival, which is where Dan Baer saw it. Guilty. And he has not shut up about it ever since. It's true. This is the follow-up film from Emma Seligman, who previously directed, wrote Shiva Baby, which also introduced us for the most part, to Rachel Sennett. Um, it was a film that did quite well on the indie circuit, given the fact that it was during the pandemic, found a nice little uh, cult audience, and Ayo Edibiri has uh, had her star on the rise as well with her appearance in The Bear, and she just had a really, really fantastic summer here, appearing in a lot of different projects. So there's definitely been a lot of great word of mouth surrounding this film in its lead-up to its theatrical release, which right now it's playing in limited release and will be expanding to more theaters in the coming days. But I heard so much about this, and most of the word on it was, try to go in knowing as little as humanly possible. And so, for the sake of trying to preserve that, we are going to do our best to not reveal the in-depth secrets of Bottoms, but I, I think that, you know, if you watch the trailer, you can infer for the most part, like where this is ultimately going at times. Uh, but to preserve that experience, we're going to do our best here to not reveal spoilers. Uh, but with that said, though, Lauren Cohen, starting off with you, what did you think of Bottoms? So, I mean, I, I knew this was a movie I was going to love. It's a very me movie. Um, I am a huge fan of uh, Shiva Baby, of Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett. And what's amazing is I always love when you see a movie from a debut director and you create all these like preconceived notions of like their directorial style, their writing style, the, you know, the type of movies they make. 
And then they make something totally freaking different. <laughs> and this is extremely different than Shiva Baby, obviously, which is such a like almost like tense, awkward, uncomfortable movie in the best way possible. And then this is like a super horny teen lesbian fight fest. <laughs> They're completely different movies, but both are great. I will say that as much as I enjoyed this movie, I do think that it might have been slightly overhyped for me. I think seeing the comparisons to like the or people kind of insinuating that this is going to be like the next Mean Girls and this is a, a classic already. I don't know that I fully am on board with that. I think it is much more bizarre than people are expecting. No spoilers, but it definitely feels like it takes place in a totally different universe and is much more out there than I was expecting. Um, I think that for the right audience member, they'll be really into it. And it's a great movie, but I do not think it is on par with a Clueless and Mean Girls. Okay. All right. Some of these comparisons I definitely have heard thrown out there mm -hmm. for people trying to describe bottoms. But I, I, I can understand, Lauren, from a hype standpoint, if it didn't live up to those expectations, Dan Bear. What? <laughs> which is a good segue over to Dan Bear. Dan? Yes. I know what you thought of Bottoms because yes. you have not stopped raving about it since South by Southwest. But it's true. What, what, how, do you feel, how are you feeling about it now this many months after having seen it at its world premiere? You know, I'm still feeling good about it. I mean, obviously, seeing it at the world premiere at South by Southwest was in some ways the ideal way to see it. It's the audience is like could not have been more primed for this movie. They were ready. But at the same time, <laughs> it was a very very large crowd and a very raucous crowd and so I felt like I missed half the movie because the laughter was so loud and so long that we literally couldn't hear a lot of the dialogue. So I was Really glad to get a chance to watch it again recently after <laughs> so many months of waiting to see this movie again and to see it in a theater with, you know, just as excited an audience, but a much uh, smaller audience where the laughter wasn't louder than the movie. That was very nice. One of the reasons that why is since I saw it since South by, I've been kind of like very much on the this is this generation's mean girls, clueless, et cetera, train is that it holds up to multiple viewings. It's so funny. I don't think I've seen a funnier movie this year. I don't think I'm going to see a funnier movie or a better comedy this year. I am fully in love with it. I love how absurd it is. I love how far it takes the satire that it's doing. It's not just satirizing high school teen comedies. It's also satirizing the way the United States thinks of high school and the teen years. I There are so many visual jokes in this movie that are making the point that high school sports are just about sex that is hilariously on point while at the same time being completely ridiculous every single member of this cast is hilarious if you didn't know that rachel said it and ayo debris have 
done sketch comedy together in the past, it, it is not a surprise learning it after seeing this because they have such an incredible rapport with each other. And that really, really makes the movie. The fact that it's not just gut bustingly hilarious, but they take the central relationship between these two characters really seriously amidst all the absurd humor going on. And that gives the movie this level of heart that I, I was certainly was not expecting it to have within its first like 10, 15 minutes. But yeah, this has been one of the best movie going experiences that I've had this year. And I am so excited that everyone else gets to see it now. And I can, you know, start making all the jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And there will certainly be a lot of quoted jokes, I think, in the future, for sure. Will Mavity, I think you are the latest person to watch this movie here on the pod you saw it last night what did you think of bottoms yeah so i will say to a degree i did agree with lauren a little bit about the hype was massive on this and i um i i I don't know that on my first viewing i'm convinced it's this generation's mean girls are clueless but i do want to have a caveat this movie was only showing in limited release, and even at a 10.45 showtime, when I got tickets, all that was left was in the front row. So I watched this movie with my neck craned all the way to the back in front of the screen. And so I think in part, I think it made certain things visually and edit-wise appear like problems in the movie that may not have been. So... I, I I do want to see it again. That being said, even with that experience, it's really fucking funny. You know, I um there's specific gags that the film does. For example, like it calls out the fact that in in movies and shows, classes seem to last like five minutes. There's like a specific gag about that that the film points out that absolutely kills me. And Dan mentioned there's so many little details in the background that are hilarious. There's a blink and you miss it scene like where uh, somebody throws crutches in the air and you just see like an out of focus background there. People are coming to like carry off someone who's been knocked unconscious by that. (laughs) You know, there's little details everywhere like that that are, are hilarious I would say, like, I adore Shiva Baby. That was one of my favorite films of that year. And this isn't nearly that cutting, but it's also not trying to be. It's trying to be something very different. So, yeah, I I, I tremendously enjoyed this. I'm definitely going to watch it more than once. Yeah, it definitely has a high rewatchability factor, I think, which I, I think is also fueling that cult status it's going to live on be discovered by future generations this generation's mean girls like all that talk i I think that is due to the film's rewatchability factor and how unique it is within the cinematic landscape as far as high school teen sex comedies go because you throw in a dash of fight club in there and uh (laughs) you get something wholly original at least it felt like at times to me all right nadia What did you think of Bottoms? Well, echoing the chorus here, I also absolutely loved Shiva Baby. The first time I watched it, it was TIFF 2020. And I distinctly remember thinking, 
how special that movie was and that Emma Seligman had such a distinctive and singular voice and that Rachel Sennett was a star in the making. So when I first read the news about the two of them reuniting for for Bottoms, I was totally ecstatic. And so I had been looking forward to it for a while and time has come and I have to say it, it did not disappoint for me. I had such a really great time with it. I, I loved it. I need more movies like this, a raunchy and horny female ensemble piece that's silly and funny and satirical and unpredictable and full of rage and also finds ways to be, I think, grounded in its absurdity as well. It does go to very strange and bizarre places that I think the actors really have a sense of control over. And also echoing the chorus here, it's really funny. It's probably the funniest movie I've seen all year so far. It's The laughs are just constant. Every single performance, I think, is operating within this wonderful spontaneity and, and looseness and charm. But as I said earlier, also it feels like they're in such control of, of their talent and, and their, um, their improv and where they're willing to go. I think that they're so engaged with the uh, absurdity of the story and pushing moments to the brink of what's possible to the point where I felt as though the direction was kind of adapting to their energy and following them through the ebbs and flows of the scene. And they also bring a grounded quality to the characters that makes the film more emotional, especially Rachel Sennett and Ayo Adebri. The chemistry that they have with each other is just seamless. It feels totally effortless and both of them have such a unique talent and they're they're two of the really most comedically gifted actors in the industry so to watch them bounce off of each other here and share the screen was just brilliant i think they're both phenomenal in this and plus they can turn on the dramatic moments at the drop of a hat as well and make you really understand and get into the the headspace of the characters and their motivations behind this this female fight club and how it spirals out of control. I also have to shout out Marshawn Lynch, who, who plays Mr. G, the oblivious teacher who becomes the kind of fight club coach. And just seeing his name and th thinking about his work makes me laugh. He's a total scene stealer. Every single line delivery is gold. And his presence in the in the film, I think, really puts into perspective that the girls are really in their own sort of world and there's a whole other world outside of it and much like what was mentioned earlier as well I love the visual jokes in this it, I think that it makes really great use of visual comedy I love the physicality in the performances and how the the visual humor spills into the production design and the editing there's a lot going on in the background that I I'm sure I'll catch more when I rewatch it Details like whenever the whenever it cuts to Mr. G's chalkboard and there's always something funny written on it, uh, <laughs> it just, just speaks to, I think, the singular vision that Emma Seligman has of creating this really energized, surreal world that's so detailed and blends action and coming of age and comedy and deconstructs a lot of teen role archetypes from the cheerleader and, and the jock to the coach and the principal and the popular girl and all the actors bring them all to life with such a unique edge to them. And having grown up watching a lot of teen movies, a lot of which were named as inspirations for this one, like Bring It On, for example, Bottoms definitely feels like a refresher 
in the canon of high school stories and it stands out as this really warm embrace of of awkwardness of finding yourself sexually and in terms of identity and searching for confidence when it doesn't come naturally. So all in all, I really loved this. I think Emma Seligman is two for two. I had a lot of fun with it and I can't wait to see what she does next. So I remember being at Dan Bayer's apartment during TIFF of 2020. I was going to oh. say, it, it, <laughs> our experience watching Shiva Baby was like one of those random, like, let's just put this on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it looks good and it's yeah. short. Yeah. And riveted the whole way through. Like, there wasn't a lot that was catching our attention yeah. during FS, admittedly. Like, a, a few minutes in, I'd be like, turn it off. Next thing. Let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah. But that's one that just gripped us from the very beginning. And we started to realize, holy shit, this is actually like, really, really funny. <laughs> and since then, like, I own the damn thing now on Blu-ray. I've watched it a bunch of times since then. I, I think it's so, so funny and so well done. It feels like you're watching Mother at times when you're watching Shiva Baby. <laughs> Just the anxiety. It's a horror movie at times. Oh, God, I, I every time I think about Shiva Baby, I'm like, that's like the best horror movie of the year. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it was, especially if you're Jewish. <laughs> Can relate too much, let me tell you. <laughs> but even the score for that movie, too, it, it uh, does feel like a oh horror movie. Oh, my God. Score. Yeah. Like, bling, bling. Oh. oh my god yes i just I, like i just like came flooding back but I, that's what i'm saying is that genius. it is so different right and like i mean i shiva baby is like my go-to like recommendation because i feel like still so many people haven't seen it um and i'm so happy it's doing that like resurgence theatrical tour in honor of bottoms release but a lot of people haven't seen it and i mean i do think that a lot of people will see bottoms and then maybe find shiva baby after falling in love with Bottoms, since it seems like it's uh, poised to be like a bigger film overall. Oh, no, I completely agree with that. And the reason why I bring this up to start is because I do want to come right out and say that as much as I really enjoyed Bottoms, I think Shiva Baby might be the better film overall still. And that is because, to Lauren's point earlier, this is a different type of film. Uh, Shiva Baby called for a certain type of style, a certain type of tone. This movie takes on a different tone while still playing within the comedy genre, but mixing in all these different elements where Shiva Baby would mix in anxiety, horror at times. Uh, this film is introducing, like we were saying earlier, the high school teen sex comedy. Also, a lot of uh, physical violence. And then on top of that, you also have... Uh, like a like a LGBTQ uh, identity story that people can latch on to. Um, there's a lot going on here, and there's so much at play that I'm not saying that it doesn't all come together because it does, but it does provide a different type of experience all around. Now, what I love is I love that this is not such a high leap from Shiva Baby for Emma Seligman. Yes, there is clearly more ambition in some of its set pieces, but this wasn't like a gigantic leap. She didn't go from making a small indie film to all of a sudden like a highly produced big studio movie. No, she's still retaining her voice and that voice is still being communicated very clearly through the screenwriting and also her uh, her control over the direction of this movie because this movie has such heightened reality yeah. to the point that... <laughs> The performances are absolutely over the top and absurd. 
there are things that happen in this movie that you're constantly saying, there's no way this would ever happen in real life. There's no way anybody would ever behave like this. And it does call back those, you know, I can, I can name a range here, but like mid 80s to early 2000s uh, high school comedies ranging from the good to the mediocre. And it's funny because now I feel like we look back on the mediocre ones or the ones that got mixed reviews at the time of its release, and we look back on them and say, holy crap, no, those are actual classics now, and we have such reverence for them. Job John right- Tucker must die for the win. Oh, yes. Hey, yes. yes I mean, how many people here by, uh, well, I can't say show of hands, but just voice of approval, who here loves Not Another Teen Movie? I love Not Another Teen, and that's clearly a big influence on this. I haven't seen it since it came out, so I, I need to rewatch it, but I'm sure, I, I'm sure I'd love it. But I heard mention of Bring It On earlier. That's another one that's like oh, referred mean, to as such a classic nowadays. I love it. Was it labeled as such when it first came out? Yeah. Bring It On was, yeah. Yeah, Bring It On was. I mean, literally, I remember that movie coming out, and I, my entire dictionary changed. <laughs> like, like everything, <laughs> the way I change i mean granted i was a cheerleader and then like everyone was like obsessed with bring it on oh, no like, you 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 it was it was very popular that's the, that's my thing with bottoms is that i do not feel that I, i'm not feeling that same energy i think it was because every girl that i knew like without fail had seen bring it on and was quoting it i just don't see bottoms having that level of a reach oh here's the thing though i actually do think the content within bottoms does lend itself to have a similar life to something like bring it on but mm-hmm. the fact that it is uh being released in limited uh theatricality right now and is going to slowly steadily add more theaters over the next couple of weeks i, I agree with you lauren you're not going to see that initial surge yeah. of everybody talking about it all at once it's gonna take a while for it to find a life of its own but based on like what's here I think there's a lot that people can latch on to. The bones definitely are there for that, for sure. And I think just one more thing about our comparison to like Shiva Baby, we were talking about that, is that I I feel like the way I felt about Bottoms, I feel I slightly similar to some of the criticisms I heard about Barbie, which again, one of my favorite movies of the year, was that it does so much and that it's trying to do so many things and it does them well and it does all come together. But I think when you compare it to Shiva Baby, which was very direct in its approach, and it does a very good job with this very tense, you know, crazy story, here there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of bizarre things she's trying, and it just makes it slightly more of a whole thing to come together, I guess. You know, whereas Shiva Baby, you knew exactly what it was from start to finish. This has a lot of a lot of things it's trying, and I think that's why I think it's maybe just slightly less good of a movie than Shiva Baby while still being a great movie in its own right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I think there's also something to be said, too, if we're going to keep up like the Greta Gerwig comparison here of Shiva Baby was a discovery. I know Dan and I, when we turned it on for TIFF, no idea who Rachel Sennett was, no idea who Emma Seligman was. And you see this movie and all of a sudden now those names are forever ingrained into your brain. 
Greta Gerwig, I know some of us knew who she was, but the films were small and intimate and had that kind of platform level release that, you know, it's like sometimes early on in someone's career, whether it's in acting or if it's in filmmaking, you know, when you, when you start to see them at the very, very beginning, there is like this emotional connection that establishes itself between the uh, artist and the and the viewer where it feels like you're along that journey with them and you want to like protect them at all costs and see them do well. And I feel that that is what has happened here with Rachel Sennett, Emma Seligman. That's fair. And so I, I do believe that like we look back at like the simplicity of Shiva Baby and we just have a nostalgic uh, memory of that and then seeing bottoms which admittedly is like i said more expansive in its ambition but not drastically so it's kind of like the safties like going from good time to uncut gems i don't know it feels a lot different than that to me but i, I do hear what you're saying i guess that the tone is so strange that i'm trying to think if anyone has a good comparison for a teen comedy that is as weird as this one and I don't mean that in a bad way, by the way. I'm trying to think because, like, Mean Girls. The closest and- you start right. getting is Heather's in some way. Mm, yeah. yeah, a little bit of Heather. Yeah. More, I think the more like direct progenitor of this really is not another teen movie. Yeah, like that's this fair. movie, it's satirizing the types of high school teen comedies that you know were so popular in the past generations, and bringing those movies to the present day through this fantastically unapologetically queer lens that that's the reason I think part of why I love it so much is how just like unbelievably queer it is. I mean, yeah. And I love, I especially love that like, you know, usually in these types of movies, the roles that Iowa Debbery and Rachel Sennett are playing, those are male roles those are the leads of porkies those are the leads of uh super bad 10 things i hate about you like it's all that and here they're for like the first time really the high school girls are allowed to be just as big of a horn dog as (laughs) boys are and it's great yeah the one thing you couldn't sell me on now there's only one thing you could not sell me on what the film never in a million years could ever convince me that Iowa DeBerry and Rachel Sennett were quote unquote ugly. <laughs> no, but they're like, I, I mean, get it. That's the thing is that no one is ever ugly in these movies, but yeah. like we have Kaya Gerber, who is an actual goddess and she looks like <laughs> she, she looks exactly like the prettiest girl you've ever seen. And it's not that the two leads are not attractive. It's just, they just don't look like Kaya Gerber and they're not styled like Kaya Gerber. That's totally right. fair. It's more about the styling because right. that's what matters in high school is the clothes you wear and your you image. And you're, you know, you're not wearing a lot of makeup and yeah. your, your clothes aren't as, you know, totally Y2K stylish as Kaya's, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's that kind of sparkle that's missing in, from their whole look. That doesn't make them the golden girls of high school. But again, well, you're right. I mean, they are more attractive than most people on planet Earth. So, well, and and they learn throughout the movie that it isn't necessarily about your physical appearance. It's about your inner confidence, mm-hmm. how you project. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that mm-hmm. if you project that you're popular, people will perceive you as popular. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the really cool thing about what the quote unquote Fight Club that yeah. these two girls start 
at the high school in order to hook up with the girls that they want to hook up with in the school does for these other girls. And it's something that they're not expecting because their wants are different than the girls who sign up. They're, what their wants are, the girls who sign up start to become extremely empowered and realize that they can fight back against these male football players who they believe are going to assault them from the other from the other high school like <laughs> it, it's 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 so absurd but it works it works because the film approaches its core themes with honesty and also too with a no holds barred attitude of picking out the flaws with today's modern society and saying hey isn't this incredibly fucked up? Why are we adhering to this? Let's break this down. Yeah, I think even some of the comedy that really worked for me is when they're all sitting in the circle and she's like, let's talk about your traumas and if you've been assaulted as if that's like an appropriate oh my gosh. <laughs> like way to approach that. And like the fact that it's kind of making fun of the way we kind of talk about like trigger warning to talk about these things now in a completely inappropriate way. You're like, no, Rachel said it. We cannot <laughs> open up this conversation this way <laughs> was hysterical to me. And then there's a line that, sorry, I don't remember the character's name, but Kaya Gerber's character says something they're talking about, like what they like in a man. Like, I love when people use violence too. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and I was like, I don't remember the exact quote. I'm totally going to butcher this. But you oh, that's my love language. That's my love. Vi like violence to like win my heart is my love language or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like the most iconic quote from this movie for me. I, I think like my most iconic moment in this movie as far as like speeches or quotes go, because here's the thing. There are so many one liners in this movie, as Dan was saying earlier, that I couldn't even write them all down. They were just happening so quickly. Uh, I mean, Marshawn Lynch alone, I don't know how many Marshawn of those lines were improvised, Lynch. but my God. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, more, more on him in just a second. I do want to just uh, say, though, that the moment that really stood out to me was Rachel Sennett's introductory hellfire and brimstone speech of welcoming everyone <laughs> to the Fight Club. Mm. And she's like, what does she have in her hand again? It's like, it wasn't like a shovel. It's what, a, what was it? Was it? A mop. It's a, a mop, mop. Think, right. Yeah. yeah, it was like a mop. Talk about being on time. And talks about being on time, and then yeah. her crush shows up, and all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is not today. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, you can show up on time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many, like, individualized moments like that throughout this, where the... Comedic timing, the inflection, there's such a great understanding of this material. And as we were saying before, Emma Seligman has such control over the tone of this movie that just when you think it's going to go off the rails, potentially, it never does. And I actually thought the film was going to get more, how should we say, bizarre and even weirder. I mean, where it ends up going is still pretty like... You know, this would never happen in a million years. This is crazy, but I'm having a great time. But I still, there was a part of me that thought that this movie would go even further and push limits beyond what I thought it was going to. It never did, but that's okay. I, I, I think I think there was like a breaking point and they never crossed that point, which I'm, I'm grateful for. It still kept it within the limits of 
whatever rules they were playing by with this world. <laughs> yeah, there was a point in the film I was like, oh, are they they're really going to lean into the plot direction that Fight Club took? Oh, I was expecting someone at some point to say mischief mayhem. I, I was yeah, waiting for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Once the explosion started happening, I was like, oh, we're we're actually going there. OK. <laughs> and that's where I started getting that. That's exactly where I started getting nervous. And I was like, oh, let's not we don't need to do that. Right. Um, and they and they and they did. They brought it back to the central relationship between uh, PJ, played by Senate, and Josie, right? Yeah. Played by uh, yeah. Io, and that's what sells the film: is the friendship between these two and the fact that it's platonic. It's never uh, sexual. They never like come to the realization that they were meant for each other or anything like that. And instead, it's just about them empowering the other and lifting the other up through that, as we were saying before, self-confidence. Yeah, that's the thing that really, like, gets me. Like, as absurd as this movie gets, it always stays grounded in the truth of that world. And the way it does that mostly is through the truth of that relationship between the two leads, between PJ and Josie. And both Rachel and Io are great. They're so funny. They have these characters down pat. But the whole cast is really, like, everyone is playing on that same level. I, I don't know where Emma Seligman or whoever was in charge like decided to like draw the line of the tone of this movie or how they described it to get that to happen. But everyone is right there with each other. They know exactly how far to take it in every single moment. And it never becomes so absurd that it feels completely off the reservation. Oh, no, completely. And I think a great example of this in this film is the absolutely gonzo, go for broke, everything I'm going to do is going to be big and loud performance from Nicholas uh, Gillettine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was when I truly like knew that this movie was going to be the funniest movie of the year is when they quote unquote hit him with the car. <laughs> Yes. The overreaction. The God's eye point of view of the camera shot. <laughs> that was so good. The shaking of the fist. I was dying. <laughs> How he just like stands there, like the look of a horror on his face. Actually, you know what? No, no offense to Nicholas. Who plays his friend? Miles Fowler. He's hilarious. Holy shit. He was hilarious too. Yeah. He had so many um, – so he has to, like, deliver um, menacing lines with such seriousness that that in and of itself was funny to me because there were times where it felt like, hey, we need you to almost, like, come off like you're in a different type of movie, but it's still going to be so over the top that it will fit within our movie <laughs> <laughs> Which is why his final scene was hilarious to me. Yes. And we're not going to go into spoilers on that. But yeah, I, because then seeing the way he delivers his last lines was just killing me. Oh, perfect. Perfection. Yeah. So cr credit to the guys in this, too, because the lady the ladies are great. But I think the guys are also really dialed in into what Emma Seligman is communicating. As we said, it's a true ensemble piece in that regard. I know we got our two main leads here but then i think we're all in agreement that the surprise of the movie like the 
revelation was how hilarious Marshawn Lynch is in this. Everything, every single <laughs> thing he says and more importantly does in this movie is iconic. I was like, Ice Cube, you can stay dethroned and go away. Marshawn Lynch, welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take up those roles, sir. <laughs> Everything he does in this movie, just the way he's where he has sits there with like the porno mag. Oh yeah. <laughs> they ask him to to, to um to be their like faculty sponsor of their club. He's like, eh. My mom did tell me I should pick up a hobby. Like, <laughs> I can't do it right. And I can't tell you, like, in context of the movie, everything. It's so funny. Well, I, I think what makes the performance so funny is that I think we all we I think we all know subconsciously when we're watching it that nearly every line of dialogue that he's saying is some form of improvisation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading an interview with Emma Seligman and she was talking about his performance and a lot of it is what what he himself brought to this character. And they just kind of went with it. That's great. Like, get this guy on SNL, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has he ever been on SNL now that I'm thinking about it? I don't think so. Oh, get him on there. But like, yeah, please. I think my, my favorite joke in the movie is... I, I, he doesn't technically say it, but it's like at his character's expense. It's uh, something written on the blackboard, and I really don't want to spoil <laughs> it for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but it's about feminism. Mm. <laughs> Still, the f- I, I think the funniest thing that I've seen on screen all maybe this decade so far, <laughs> I, yeah. I was dying in the theater yeah. laughing. <laughs> And also that one scene with with him and Rachel and Io. I, there's a clip of it that's online. Oh, about flicking the pearl? Tickling the pearl. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> lines of the year. I, I love uh, Io's reaction. Yeah. You should not be talking to us this way as your teacher. <laughs> Obviously, like, some of the jokes are super on the nose, but they fit within the world. Like, when Io is like... Yeah, you know, really what being an ally is, is all you have to do is, you know, you just say some catchphrases and then <laughs> not, like, back them up at all. You know, you don't have to do anything. I thought that was, that was hilarious. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, satire in this that um, I greatly appreciated. And it was done in a way where you could feel the the rage, but this didn't come off as, like, such an angry movie. It came off more as a uh, an outlet. Uh, for that rage in a way that um, transitioned into laughter. And that just made it an overall like positive, fun, and memorable experience. I still, like, it's it's interesting because I know some of you all were saying it was like the funniest movie this year. I laughed harder, honestly, at um, Joyride earlier this year. That was funny, too. Yeah. There is one scene in Joyride that I definitely laughed harder at, <laughs> but I think Bottoms is more consistently funny. That's that's fair. It's also more like densely packed with jokes. Like I feel like literally in every shot of this movie there is something funny happening, whether it's a line of dialogue or look on someone's face or literally just some absurdness going on in the background. Like, if you just 
if you just watched this movie and just watched uh, the the school mascot in any scene in which they appear, you'd st- it would still be one of the funniest movies of the year. Yeah, I think the way I would classify it, it's because it, I was thinking about that too, Matt, actually, is that I think Bottoms is the clearly superior film and like any line of dialogue could literally be iconic in Bottoms. I don't know that I laughed out loud as hard. I mean, keep in mind also, I was watching it like on a screen or on my computer. So it wasn't like I was in experiencing it with an audience, but like every line of dialogue was more clever and probably better than it was in Joyride. But the outrageous scenes in Joyride, some of those did make me laugh harder overall when it came to the whole like sex montage scene and the tattoo reveal, like those moments made me laugh harder. But I do think that, like, there was so many funnier, more iconic lines in Bottoms. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the fight scenes in this movie, the choreography? I couldn't even focus on uh, necessarily how well put together and polished they were, which, you know, they shouldn't be because I was so on board with how bloody and (laughs) bone-crunching this movie was willing to go, I could not stop. Like, every time there's a sound of a hit, it's like, you know, it's just, like, (laughs) disgusting, these grotesque, like, you know, John Wick-style sound effects, (laughs) and culminating in, without talking too much, I could not stop laughing at a couple reveals during the climax. Like, just, oh, my God. Early on when they're fighting also, I mean, I, I guess, like, they're cho- you know, the choreography shouldn't be good because none of them actually know how to fight. Um, you know, so I, I, I thought that worked. But, yeah, I just really loved how unabashedly the movie embraced its bloodlust. I was so surprised in that regard. And also, um, I, I think even Lauren or Naughty was like, yeah, I mean, this film doesn't take place in this world. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, like, by and large, the universe this is set in is, is okay with it. Is it, You know, it, it does not seem that <laughs> yeah. there will be long-term consequences. Right, it is not grounded in planet Earth. <laughs> the fact that no one has to go to the hospital ever is... Like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It plays by its own rules, and that's great. Like, that's part of the fun of movies is, like, Emma Seligman and Rachel Seddon are making the rules, and we are learning them as we watch. I love also that, you know, getting to speak to the stunt coordinator of the movie, check out the interview on nextbestpicture.com. Most of these stunts were performed by the actors themselves. Like, most, if not all. It's really incredible, and they all did a fantastic job. And I just, again, I love movie if you're going to be like any sort of combination of action and comedy i really want the action to embrace the comedy as much as possible and they really did like all of the fight scenes there yeah they get a little bit of shock value from like oh wow they're going there but there are also some things that the in the choreography that are just so funny to watch yeah, I was listening to the interview, Dan, and uh, it, it was pretty apparent to me listening and then connecting it to the movie as well um, that Ruby Cruz, who plays uh, Hazel yes! in this movie, is a certified badass. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got a couple of uh, scenes in this movie, too, where she, you know, she gets tossed around like a rag doll, you know, and mm-hmm. so 
Uh, to know that she was doing a lot of that herself, props. Major props. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Okay, uh, what I want to do now is I do want to head on over to final thoughts here. So is there anything that we didn't mention that you want to bring up here for Bottoms or something you want to reiterate? And we'll go over first to Lauren Cohen. I think I pretty much said it all, but I would like to give a shout out to the costumes that we didn't really talk about. Uh, I do think that uh, they did a great job with the costumes. It's, again, not iconic in the way I've heard some people describe when you compare to Clueless, which is the greatest costumes of any movie ever. But I was really digging some of the looks, and I thought it was perfect for a horny teen sex comedy like this one. Oh, it's a good call out. I think modern costume design is something that uh, should get called out more often. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it. Nadia Dalamante, how about you? I wanted to shout out also Havana, Rose, Liu, and Kaya Gerber mm-hmm. as the PJ and um, Josie's crushes, Isabel and Brittany. I think they make really fun choices for those characters and bring pretty refreshing versions of the traditional kind of hot girl popular characters that are really memorable and dynamic. Like there's one moment that I'm thinking of where Kaya Gerber's character, Brittany, she's usually following Isabel around and then not really sure what else she ought to be doing. And there's one scene where Isabel, it's really, really short where she walks off and Brittany just stands there in silence for a bit, like questioning her existence and whether she should follow her. And like little details like that really, really stood out to me. The needle drops in this movie. I won't Mm. spoil them, but a plus there's one in particular. Yes. The soundtrack. Oh, my God. The, the one, the mm-hmm. best. I know you're talking <laughs> mm-hmm. There is one. I will just say Canadian Queen. Yep. Okay. We're, uh, we're aligned. I, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yes. As soon as those first couple notes played, I turned to my friend and we just beamed. Yeah, I, oh, my God. I did the same thing. I turned to uh, Lauren LaMagna, who I saw this with, and I literally went, oh, like, and you saw my face just light up. Yeah. yeah. I was filled with pure joy. Yeah. And, and I love how pretty much the entire song was used. It wasn't just a couple of seconds. It was a good chunk. So that was great. And overall, I just, I think uh, just to reiterate, I really loved this movie. I think it's, I, I think it being so visually, stylistically, tonally different from Shiva Baby is really exciting to me in terms of what Emma Seligman is capable of and how much range she has as a filmmaker that she's able to explore these different kind of arenas while also maintaining the the singularity of, of her voice and it's something that's just really exciting to me and I'm looking forward to what she does next I really really I, I'm sure of this as well that she'll continue working with Rachel Sennett and I really hope that they continue working with uh, Io Adebri as well because what a dream trio they are and just just had a great time with it okay fantastic Will Mavity over to you 
Yeah, I, I do want to shout out in addition to the um, to the soundtrack in general. The, I like that the film very firmly. I mean, obviously based on the the phones they have, it is set in the present day, but it's kind of like it follows where it's this fusion of you know the present day with also kind of this eighties and nineties vibe. The music, obviously, both in the needle drops and then also in the kind of like synthy score they use. But also, if you look at it, um, you know, the cars they use are often 90s-esque. You know, there's certain aspects of the production design that feel very vintage. And I like that, you know, it's in many ways, it's deliberately designed that it could be set in anywhere of the last four decades. And I thought that was kind of a fun touch. Okay, great. Excellent stuff here. Dan Bear, over to you. <laughs> in context, when Nicholas Galitzin's character says the line, shut up, nerd, I fucked your mom, is the funniest thing. <laughs> I think he's hilarious. I love that this is like, in most teen movies like the high school football team is like the epitome of everything they're the best team at the school they're the best in the state blah 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 and i love that in this one they're the worst team at the worst school and yet they're still acting like they are lords of the universe it's hysterical and like i said earlier i just i think the satire in this is so on point and i think that a lot of that is because it's coming from a place of this is so ridiculous and absurd that we have to laugh at it and that is exactly how good satire is supposed to work adam mckay that you take something <laughs> and don't just point and laugh at how absurd it is. You heighten it, show how the base is still so absurd and critique it in that way. You're not just presenting it. You have to actually do something with it. And this movie through Emma and Rachel's completely singular vision absolutely does that. And so much of that is communicated through the visual comedy as well, yes. which yeah. is, so, I mean, like, I love how Nicholas Galitzine's, his character's jersey just says Jeff on it. Yes. <laughs> Jeff. I love, um, <laughs> you know, all the various signs and paraphernalia they have oh throughout God. the school. Uh, I mean, obviously Dan referenced that, obviously, you know, like in, in various ways, how explicitly sexual they make the sports. I think at one point it's literally just like sexy. Uh, yeah. Like, and then there's, like the one, game. <laughs> there's one of them where it, it's like, be sure to smile, ladies. You never know when he could be watching. Yeah. Like it's some oh, kind yeah. of like surveillance poster, but it's just like, look cute for the football players. Yeah. Isn't the uh, isn't the team mascot like catchphrase get horny yes. yeah yeah <laughs> it's not a team mascot it's like the school's mascot it's like the school's catchphrase gotcha get horny <laughs> i love the um the guy who i think he was the same guy who had like paid to well we're not gonna say what he's paying for that's a spoiler but there was a customer of the fight club <laughs> early in the film and he shows up at the game later and he has this line about like, what is all this dyke shit? Let's get us back to something normal. Not, you know, like not gay. Like a bunch of sweaty men grappling with each other on the field or stuff like that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> okay. The uh, only final thought 
that I have here is if you want more of this, you can check out the digital scripted series, Io and Rachel are single, uh, which features more Io Idabiri and Rachel Sennett. And if you see this at one of the Alamo theater, Alamo draft house theaters, they'll show you, um, 10 minutes of clips from their sketches beforehand, which is where I saw it. And I love that that familiarity that they have with each other already translates so well here. Um, You really get a sense of camaraderie that comes across and their banter, the way that they bounce off of each other, the comedic timing, like I was saying earlier, it is just so, so on point. The, uh, I guess, final note, uh, yeah, I, I guess the final note that I have here is who is the actress who wears the beanie and the braces and is always yelling? Oh, because she was hilarious in this. Summer Joy Campbell, I think. Sylvie? Shout out to her. Just shout out for her for going for it. I had so many moments in this where I was like, fuck yes. Somebody there is just going all in screaming, throwing themselves into the role. I don't even know if I've ever seen them before act in anything, but this was this was wonderful. That was fantastic. So overall, I had a great time with this movie. I do think it is going to have that cult classic kind of label thrown at it probably in a couple of years. I agree with Lauren. I don't think we're going to have the you know, high school classic. Yeah, like, I, I don't see it reaching that level now just because it didn't release wide. It's not capturing the zeitgeist, but over time. But but how this generation's high schoolers watch movies is not in the cinema anyway. Exactly. So when this re- gets released on streaming, watch out. Exactly. Yeah, it'll take some time. Um, overall, 8 out of 10. That's what I'm giving this one. I very much enjoyed it. Nadia, what about you? I'm I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. I think Shiva Baby is a step higher, but I really, really enjoyed this one as well. Well, Mavity? 8. Okay. Dan Bear? Yeah, I do think Shiva Baby is probably a better movie, but this Bottoms is still so incredible at what it does, and what it does is so unique and rare. I'm, I'm also at a 9 out of 10. I think it's near perfect. Lauren Cohen? 8 out of 10. Any awards potential for Bottoms? This is one of those places where, like, maybe a lone screenplay is the, like, that's the best it could hope for, really. But here's the thing with something like that. It only makes sense, I think. If it's a massive hit. No, not even that. (laughs) But it only makes sense for it to achieve that kind of a nomination at something like the WGA where various disqualified titles and it could maybe get in there. Yeah. I would say that in order for it to be seriously in the conversation with the Academy, critics would have to establish early on that this is one of the set five films in an original screenplay lineup. And there would have to be consistency across the board so that people understand and realize, oh, you can't have a screenplay lineup without this film. Yeah. And I just don't see that happening. But I tell you what I can see happening is I could definitely see a Golden Globe nomination or two for 
the film and one of the actresses, uh, either Rachel or Io in this. And I was thinking Io might get this. Yeah, yeah at the gloves. I yeah. don't know which one would get it, but I could I could see it happening. I feel like Io, and they'll hit her with a like you know it'll be like a double nom for that and the bear. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, that'll do it here for our review of Bottoms here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nadia Dalamonte, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Nad Reviews and on Instagram at Nadia Reviews. Lauren Cohen? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Cohen Film. Will Mavity? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And Dan Bear? You can find me on the social media network formerly known as Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film at Letterboxd post at dance and dan and you can find me in next best picture thank you so much everyone for listening to the next best picture podcast we are proud to be part of the evergreen podcast network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts be sure to leave us a review on apple Podcasts to let us know what you think of the show we really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at patreon for one dollar minimum a month you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.